Well, let's welcome on and say hello to Dan Robenstein, Solid Verbal Podcast. Those guys do a great job covering uh, the entire sport of college football, top to bottom. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Dan, it's been a little bit, so uh, let's just start off with this conference, the crazy uh, few weeks that it's had, the way the season ended, uh, Lincoln Riley, of course, leaving Norman for USC, and all the drama that's taken place around the league. What do you make of it and where it is and where it's going to move going forward? First of all, one of the the primary appeals of being a college football fan is being able to claim things with shaky context. So <laughs> I'd like to congratulate Big 12 fans everywhere for their Cincinnati playoff berth because it's just an amazing accomplishment by the conference. Um, no, it's it's an actual <laughs> like really interesting crossroads for the Big 12 right now, right? With uh, a new coach in Oklahoma, with you know some changes at Texas, uh, especially at quarterback, um, with a, a champion in Baylor that is relatively new. You know, having Baylor as a champion and the way that they won that game was the most exciting finish to the uh, to the conference championship season. And then you know that new quarterback in Kansas State and Adrian Martinez. Like I, I just I appreciate the novelty and newness of some some storylines within the conference. So I'm in. And and Oklahoma State's defense being one of the best like five in the country. It's great. It's new and novel. And isn't it, I don't know, Dan. I mean, listen, I'm I'm biased. I get that. Uh, but it just seems to me that people wanted to kill off this league a few months ago. And you see what they did on the field. You're right about the defense. I mean, Oklahoma State plays defense. OU, Baylor, they, they play defense. We know Iowa State plays defense. A lot of the narratives from a decade ago are long dead for anyone who actually follows this sport. And the, the reality is, too, I mean, what this sport is doing, what this league is doing in football and then also in college basketball, this is this is not a tweener conference, even when OU and Texas leave. Is that fair? Uh, it is fair. It's it's one of the more interesting conferences. Now, I, I think especially with the way we look at how the sport is organized, we like to have a concept of who the, the powers are. And parity is not necessarily an amazing thing for the sport, even though fans, you know, like to think it is sometimes. And so I'd like to know who those powers are. You know, if Luke Fickle is long for Cincinnati, if Kalani Sataki is long for BYU and, you know, new coach at TCU and, you know, Dave Aranda's name keeps coming up. So there's no obvious power atop the Big 12 when the the alignment shifts, you know, with, with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, which I think is both good from a competitive standpoint, but also, like, you like to know who the top dogs are. And right now it looks like, you know, I suppose Oklahoma State, TCU, um, and Cincinnati, depending on their coaching situation, are the, the alphas in the conference moving forward. But – we don't know exactly when that's going to be. And you're right about the narrative shift in, you know, not a defensive conference. Now it might have swung a little bit too far in the other direction where you like, you know, Oklahoma last year struggled at quarterback and made the change that they did. And they were inconsistent, even in wins, throwing the ball. And, you know, Brock Purdy gets benched one or two times as he struggled down the stretch against some bigger opponents. And so you'd like to see, you know, Spencer Sanders not throw four interceptions in the biggest game of the Big 12 season. I'm sure Pokes fans would. So uh, I'm encouraged to see what this conference looks like uh, at the top and from an offensive perspective if we can get a little bit more push and pull. 
and I can hear Baylor fans saying, what about us? We're a power. And, you know, I guess if you look at it in fairness, uh, Dan, right, two of the last three Big 12 titles, you go back to our Bryles. Totally. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of success on the football field the last 10, 15 years. Ten years, probably. Yeah, they've been in two of the last three title games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been in those title games. They won it this year. Um, I, I think it's more the uncertainty around a school. And look, I root for a school with a similar degree of uncertainty, where you hire so well that guys leave for bigger jobs, as Matt Rule did, as Dave Aranda, I think, eventually will. But I think he really likes it in in Waco, and so it's it's going to be difficult because Baylor is just one of those schools that, traditionally speaking. There's a lot of change that happens in Baylor, and maybe they can weaponize that and make that an appealing thing that it's such a good situation and such a stable athletic department now that it's attractive to young and -and up-and-coming coaches. But, yeah, I I think um, TCU, because of its location, and I think Oklahoma State, because of its resources, um, and Cincinnati, because of its location and how good of a coach Luke Fickle is – I, I'm, I'm fine with putting Baylor in that conversation. I'd like to see a quarterback pop perhaps a little bit more than what they've had these past few years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gary Bohannon, Blake Shape, and even Charlie Brewer, that to me is, is the issue. And, you know, Jacob Zeno transfers out. What, who is that quarterback of the future that's going to say, okay, Baylor's going to field a really strong defense, but here is this guy who's leading the way and getting us to 35 points every game. That's the interesting story for me. Yeah. Because we've seen some – some quarterbacks pop from Oklahoma State and from TCU, now from Cincinnati. I think that's the missing piece for Baylor right now. Yeah, I, I, I would totally uh, agree with that. And one team I'm not hearing you talk about, as this conversation's taken on an interesting turn, Iowa State. Is that just because you think Iowa State is so built around Matt Campbell and him staying there that it's not really sustainable beyond that? Or do you just think even under Matt Campbell – you, you would say this program is, is not capable of being, uh, you know, a power in this league consistently. No, I think it absolutely can be, right? They were in the, the conference championship game last year, and we know he has raised the clone, theory, the, the clone ceiling considerably. Um, but at the same time, he has, he's only played for the conference once. Um, and we're looking at for programs that can recruit on a level to get to 10 wins you know, with some regularity. And I'm not sure Iowa State has that ceiling. And, you know, he's he's built up that program in such an impressive way that I'm open to the possibility. Brock Purdy ultimately was a quarterback who helped them get to their ceiling, probably made a few too many mistakes. And they were really close in some of those losses. And, you know, whether it's a special teams thing, whether it's a mistake on offense thing, maybe the, the next guy will be a little bit more solid in terms of steering the ship. But, no, Iowa State has that potential. It's just are more pieces needed. It's just a little bit more difficult. The degree of difficulty in Ames is going to be a little bit higher that they're going to need to be stay lucky injury wise and, you know, keep coaches, keep assistants, which is what we've seen in terms of attrition, both from the player and assistant level. I think it's just going to be more difficult as as Iowa State tries to maintain its place. Yeah, I, I yeah I could certainly see that. Uh, Dan, when when you look ahead to you know what's to come here, college football playoff, obviously the Big Twelve on the outside looking in. The question that I keep asking myself is: Oklahoma State had beaten Baylor. Are the Cowboys in over Cincinnati? And if so, how does that change the narrative around what we're talking about right now, which is that the little guy finally got in? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I, I don't know if they're in if they get into the end zone on that final play. 
But if they beat Baylor with a healthy Gary Bohannon and they beat them something like 35 to seven, in, in the way that they beat a lot of their big 12 opponents, I think it's worth drilling down and looking exactly and parsing out what Cincinnati has done and what Oklahoma state has done. It's not a reality in which we live, but with what Oklahoma state did with what the fact that they, you know, they have that conference championship game um, and no Cincinnati does as well. um, You know, the Cincinnati win over Notre Dame is then you're equating to Oklahoma state's win over Baylor at the end of the year, a top 10 ish team. So yeah, I, I would still put Cincinnati probably in over Oklahoma State, but I think it would be by the narrowest of margins just because the top 10 went on the road going undefeated and Oklahoma State have, you know, Oklahoma State had an opportunity to go undefeated. I just, it's one of those things where I don't look at Cincinnati as a cute story. They were there against Georgia last year in the, I think it was the Peach Bowl. And this is a team who was winning 10 games in a major conference before realignment sort of left them out of the cycle in 2012 or whatever in the big east out of the cycle so i I don't look at cincinnati as a a cinderella story type program the way that you know maybe coastal carolina or boise state this is a major program that happens to be playing in a only pseudo major conference so i would be great with putting cincinnati in over a one loss oklahoma state before we continue with dan rubenstein you want to give yourself a christmas gift this year um how about placing some bets on the bowl season? <laughs> I mean, what better than that week between Christmas and New Year's? You're watching a ton of college football, bowl seasons galore, and you're placing a couple of wagers. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. That's what I'm going to be doing, all right? And we're going to be using MyBookie.com where they will double your sign-on deposit with the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12 to double your money out of the gates at mybookie.com. They've been longtime partners of this show and of this site, and uh, we're going to place all our bowl game bets there. So treat yourself this holiday season and double your money, no questions asked. Mybookie.com is where you do it, and use our promo code BIG12. That is BIG12. Now, if you uh, if you had had that scenario, you know the screams for expansion would have only gotten louder. We know it's coming. It seems like it's a matter of when. And it seems to me, Dan, like basically people are trying to, uh, I don't want to say punish the SEC because there's no love lost here for the SEC. But the SEC does not want automatic bids because they want a playoff that if it's 12 teams has six SEC teams in it, right? I mean, that's what they want. Sure. Yeah, no, it's absolutely what they want. That's their prerogative. And I mean, there would be no reason the SEC, I'm sure, would be happy to stay at four in the way that they're getting two teams. They're getting 50% of the teams. It's an amazing selling point for the conference that you have a month of SEC team, SEC team, SEC team, right? That you have storylines and cover stories about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and assistant coaches, you know, coming in or leaving or quarterbacks committing and it's early signing day in the middle of the the storylines of everything. So, no, the SEC has no obligation to look out for the good of the sport. It has the obligation to look out for itself, and I get it from their perspective. But to me, I, I like the automatic bids. I I imagine SEC teams are still going to dominate the playoff from a competitive standpoint just because the top of the conference is built in such a way that they can weather injuries and win two or three games in an expanded playoff, whereas a current Big 12 champ, a current Pac-12 um ACC or Big Ten is depending on Ohio State and Clemson, but it's just it's going to be more difficult. I, I rooted for a 2014 Oregon team in the national championship game 
that was down five or six starters and couldn't compete with Ohio State because their twos were nowhere near as good as the Buckeyes twos. And so that's that's the solace that SEC fans can keep that like still the top of the conference is going to be the, the overwhelming favorite because their backup outside linebacker is going to be better than anything that Kansas State or Baylor or TCU can field in, in a, a sensational season for one of those type programs. What do you make, you know, the early signing period is now in the rearview mirror and, and, you know, the transfer portal appears to be totally out of hand. Has the pendulum swung too far the other way? I mean, I, I get players were getting hosed for a while, for a long time, for the history of the sport more or less. But now have we gone too far the other way where the players have gotten too empowered where you can't, I mean, you can't have a backup quarterback now, Dan. I mean, th- these guys are up and leaving and I don't blame them. But it doesn't seem to be good for the sport. Where, where do you think we're at on the early signing period and the transfer portal and how these things could change going forward? So I, I think two or three things can be true at once, right? If, if coaches have the freedom to move like they have, then yes. players should have a certain degree of freedom to find where they fit best. If yeah. they're homesick, if they're clearly not going to see the field at Ohio State or Texas Tech or something like that, and it would be better for them to go to a smaller program or a different program that, you know, they're following a coach who recruited them. I get all of that, but I, I think you're right. I, I don't know if it's a, a solvable issue. You know, it's, it's, we talked about this on the show actually yesterday for, I think, a, an episode going up tomorrow that we're pro player. We're, we're, we're terrific with players moving around and finding the best fit. And if nothing else, it spreads the talent around a little bit more evenly, hopefully from some of the bigger schools. And, you know, if all of a sudden – Cal has an amazing quarterback or West Virginia has an amazing quarterback. That's awesome for the sport, but it's a very difficult sport to follow as a casual fan. It's very difficult to explain recruiting to a casual fan or transfers to a casual fan or eligibility to a casual fan in the way that it's difficult for you to explain, you know, buying soccer players that you then have to return or a cap hit and dead money in the NFL. The difference being, these guys are only going to be playing for a school for one, two, three, four years. And if you're constantly having to learn the name of new coaches or new players, it makes it more difficult to fall in love with the program. So I I don't know what the actual solution is, but I get the frustration for sure. Yeah. All right, Dan. So what are you most excited about here? Bowl season, college football playoff, obviously. But if, if you're just looking around the sport, uh, do you like where the bowl season is at with these opt-outs? Are you kind of longing for the old days when some of these mid-tier bowls felt like they mattered a bit more? What, where's your head at here as we get ready for the bowl games here that'll pick up in uh, full steam starting you know, uh, early next week? I, I was a little bit bummed out, especially, you know, look at my school, Oregon, which is having this weird transition period where there's an interim bowl coach who is leaving for Miami. And so you worry about like, is he just recruiting kids to go with him to Miami with Mario Cristobal from the Oregon program? But ultimately I, I tried to think about this, like what, what is actually appealing when you have the opt-outs, when you have transfers, when you have coaches leaving and you have these skeleton staff coaching, staff coaching these major programs, minor programs, whatever. And I think it is the hunt for new names, right? The hunt for, okay, Texas A&M might be starting a walk-on at quarterback in their bowl game. If they're now, if they're playing their bowl game, obviously with all the, the COVID issues against Wake Forest, like is Blake Bose somebody who's going to throw for 400 yards randomly? Like who is the next Bram Kohlhausen? Who is that next guy in bowl season to come out of nowhere and be a Cinderella? Like, even if it's not amazing, even if it's the, uh, the cheese it bowl or something like that, 
Like, is Johnny Hecker going to come in? Whatever, I'm trying to remember. Is that his name, the Iowa State backup quarterback, and torch Clemson randomly? I, I think those stories are the really interesting ones. Some, some new name, or maybe it's a, a redshirt freshman who comes in and just pops randomly in the – the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That's what mm-hmm. excites. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. Then we're talking about that guy all off season, and then he, you know, uh, runs for sure. 52 yards next year or something like that. I mean, he, but either exactly. way, it gives us content for eight months, right? And that's what that's what matters here, Dan. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what we need. That's Something right. To talk about. That's right. He's Dan Rubenstein. Solid verbal. Check out their podcast. Those guys do an outstanding job covering the entire sport. Dan, great to have you on. Enjoy the bowl season, my friend. Appreciate the time. Hey, you too. My pleasure. Great to have Dan Rubenstein on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, uh, as we get ready for Christmas, if you could leave me a Christmas gift, that'd be great. And all I'm asking for is a rating and a review on the podcast. So go to this podcast on iTunes and then scroll down. You'll hit write a review, write something nice, leave us five stars, and I'll send you a free Heartland College sports koozie in the mail. When you leave that rating and review, and then you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And uh, it's a great way to help this show continue to grow. I can't thank you guys enough for doing that, for being a part of it, and I really do appreciate it. Very much so. All right. And our friends at MyBookie are doubling your deposit up to $1,000 right now. Use our promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a one. 100% 100% deposit bonus. MyBookie.com, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12. We'll talk to you guys soon.